This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 28, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. It's fair to describe the president's rationale for national security tariffs on steel as flimsy. A new case in federal court is challenging the president's national security claims in support of those tariffs. American Institute for International Steel v. United States. Cato has filed a brief in support of the petitioners. I spoke with Cato's Will Yateman and Simon Lester about the case last week. I feel like a broken record. Uh, Every time I point out that uh, the president has made use of his authorities with regard to trade, the authorities that have been delegated to him by Congress over many years, he has used them in ways that uh, Congress, until very recently, never foresaw. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, I mean, the the Constitution, as many of us know, and for anyone who doesn't, I'll point it out, gives uh, explicit power over tariffs and regulating foreign commerce to 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 Congress. Um, But after Congress sort of botched its uh, its use of uh, of that power uh, in in 1933, a a lot of that power is delegated to the president. And so over the past you know few decades, we've grown up in this world where the president had great authority over trade and, and generally was out there trying to to liberalize trade, to negotiate tariff-lowering agreements with other countries. Um, but now we have President Trump uh, coming to power. Uh, you know, you can talk about how politicians are, are inconsistent uh, about positions, and I'm sure there, there's Trump, somewhere Trump has flip-flopped. But on trade, uh, for decades, he's been a consistent protectionist. And um, there may have been some debate as to exactly how he would implement that, how he would apply that as president, but he's pretty much followed through and he's taken all this power that was delegated to him and looked through all the, the statutes, you know, with help from advisors, you know, wh- what can I use uh, to give me the authority to to impose tariffs? And he's found a, a whole bunch of examples out there. He's used Section 301 to to use tariffs to, to try to pry open the, the Chinese market. He's used Section 201 to protect domestic industries from uh, import competition um, that, that cause injury to domestic industries. And then he's used the Section 232 uh, to impose tariffs where he thinks that that imported products are impairing uh, the national security of the United States. So it's just sort of been a broad attempt to, to use whatever authority he has to, to apply tariffs and, and keep out foreign goods. All right. The One of the key details here, and I'll jump over to you, Will, in a moment, is the Trade Expansion Act of 1962 which delegates the regulatory power or some regulatory power over foreign commerce from Congress to the president. So, uh, as as I said, so the initial delegation of of power uh, over trade to the president was 1933. But then there were a series of other pieces of legislation over over time. And uh, in 1962, there was one um, one particular delegation. It's called the Trade Expansion Act, and there are a number of elements in there that try to expand trade. But you know, it's a piece of legislation, and it's sort of a a mix with different different groups have different interests. And, and one uh, provision in there. Keep in mind, this was during the the Cold War. Was hey, we better watch out. We don't want to get too dependent on our on our enemies um you know for for you know on we don't want to depend too much on imports from our enemies there's these you know countries out there that we can't trust so there, there's this provision in there this you know vaguely drafted and it's got its origins in a, in a previous provision in a, pe- a different piece of legislation that says that the the president has broad power to to adjust imports um, where the national security has been impaired and there's just there's not a lot of guidance in there as to how the president's supposed to make that decision um for you and know, I think we're gonna get into this a little more for for many years um this provision you know wasn't used that much and was used kind of narrowly um, but what we're seeing right 
now is a, a president whose instinct is to restrict trade, um, taking advantage of the, the broad discretion he's been given uh, to, to restrict imports. And Will, to you, uh, the president in March of 2018 imposed a 25% tariff on imported steel products, making use of some authorities that were granted to the president under this Trade Expansion Act. Uh, he did so on the grounds of national security, that this posed a significant national security uh, threat that the United States might be importing too much steel. So what is the American Institute for International Steel alleging in their case versus the United States? They're alleging that there must be some sort of limits on the president's power pursuant to the Section 232, um, that, that is, this power to impose tariffs or to regulate foreign commerce. Um, you spoke earlier with Simon kind of regarding this, this process of delegation. You know, the Constitution gives the Congress the exclusive and plenary authority to impose tariffs, um, but it's the president doing this. And, and the, the reason the president has this power is because the Congress delegated this authority to him. Now, there must be or courts have required, I mean, you know, this, this concept of delegation, um, surely it raises separation of powers concerns. No, I mean, we've got a, a president here who's effectively lawmaking. Courts guard against uh, improper transfer of authority from the legislative branch to the executive branch with what is known as the non-delegation doctrine. And what that requires is that Congress set forth a limit. Uh, the exact terminology is an intelligible principle, uh, boundaries that, that confine the president's discretion when he's executing this law. What the American Institute for International Steel and other steel importers who have been harmed by this tariff, what they're arguing is... Wait a second here. This statute merely references national security and imports. There's not enough guidance there to keep the president within the law execution uh, function as opposed to the lawmaking function. Alternatively, um, I'll say this. It's a nuanced argument. They say not only is there not enough guidance, the problem is exacerbated by the fact that courts refuse to check. Um, so it's it's... If a court says, well, sure, your intelligible principle is national security, it says it right there in the law. There you have it. Case closed. Um, well, no. That, that's, uh, so what the petition, what the appellants, what the American Institute for International Steel and what we're arguing is there's got to be some sort of, of method by which courts oversee um, the execution of this law, by which courts ensure that the president is comporting with its intelligible, with, with the limits set forth by Congress, these intelligible principles. Um, and that's precisely what the Court of International Trade, and that was the force, first court to, to render a decision in this case, upholding the steel tariffs, and that decision is now being appealed before the federal circuit. The Court of International Trade wouldn't check at all. Um, in, indeed, during oral arguments, uh, the government wouldn't concede um, that a, an embargo on peanut butter in the in the name supposedly of national security, that the government said, well, that wouldn't be subject to judicial review. You, you courts could not check even if we place an embargo on, on peanut butter. That's the reasoning that the Court of International Trade adopted. And, and in a really kind of amazing statement, the, the decision says, what we have here is a so-called gray area, quote unquote. I mean, that's the, the exact phrase they use, whereby the president can operate within the confines of the statute, 
But unconstitutionally, and that is by, by that they mean the president can can pay lip service to national security and then regulate to his heart's content, um, which would be a violation of this delegation doctrine, which would be a lawmaking function endowed the president and then present constitutional problems. The court acknowledged this, but they said they couldn't check. They said that they could not perform judicial review in order to, to suss out whether or not that was indeed the case. So that's sort of the complicated legal matter at hand. I mean, we've either got a delegation problem in that Congress, there, there are no limits, there are no boundaries, or we've got a judicial review problem, which is to say, if we're just going to say that national security is the boundary and then not check, that's not good enough. There are a couple of issues here. One is congressional delegation, the excessive congressional delegation that has uh, gone on for many decades in the United States. And you have uh, the other issue is court's general unwillingness to check the executive branch on matters of national security. So how do you see this playing out, Will? If I might just clarify your observation, you got the first half exactly right. Um, the second half, I, I will uh, modify what you said slightly, which is it's not just when the president um, acts in the name of national security. This is also an outstanding question, that of, of how much oversight can courts perform of presidential action um, for all presidential exercises of statutory power. And just very briefly by what, what I mean by that is typically... Congress delegates to agencies who then execute the law. So, you know, you, if you want to uh, fix the radio spectrum, you delegate authorities to the FCC. If you want to uh, fix an environmental problem or, or supposedly fix an environmental problem, you delegate to the EPA. In rarer instances, such as Section 232, the Congress delegates regulatory power directly to the president. Another a, a domestic regulatory example would be the Antiquities Act, uh, when presidents can regulate hundreds of thousands of acres of public lands to protect so-called national monuments. Um, in these instances, whereby the president is the direct delegee of congressional power, um, that is very much an outstanding question. The, some courts, such as the, the the outstanding question being the extent to which courts conduct review of the presidential's action or the president's actions, some courts, such as the Court of International Trade, throws up its hands and says, "We're not going to check at all." Um, out of I would argue uh, too much respect for the office of the presidency. Um, other courts, such as the D.C. Circuit, are much more so willing um, to investigate uh, president's, presidential actions pursuant to statute. So, it is a uh, you know the the it's not just national security questions. That the outstanding question also pertains just broadly to whenever the president is the direct delegee, whenever the president is the one executing the law directly. Um, and where where is this case going to go to get to get directly to your question? It's a fool's errand to prognosticate courts. Um, I'll, I'll say this, that there's, uh, it, it's the, there are any number of avenues with supreme constitutional importance <laughs> that, that the court, that the federal circuit could take, um, and indeed, ultimately, the Supreme Court. I mean, th this case implicates high-level questions of separation of powers, and it, it's rare that Article Three courts get a bite at, at this apple. Um, so I'm, I'm loath to predict what will occur. I will tell you this. If an Article III court makes law on this case, and here I'm talking about either the Federal Circuit or the Supreme Court of the United States, 
um, then it will have profound implications for separation of powers principles, and it will have profound implications for not just this regulatory regime, but for uh, regulatory regimes across the board. And to Simon's point earlier, I just want to emphasize uh, Congress's intent when it passed the 1962 Trade Expansion Act. Um, again, this was the height of the Cold War. Um, at the time, Congress, its specific concern was the possibility that a disruption to global oil markets could constrain the domestic production and domestic supply of jet fuel. That's what they had in mind. And indeed, as, as Simon intimated, presidents have only exercised this authority a handful of times in the six-odd decades since. And each time they actually moved to regulate imports, it was always for oil. Um, so, you know, again, it, it, six decades, only a handful of times this this power was used. All times it was used to regulate oil. Um, and that very much comports with Congress's intent in 1962. Will Yateman is a research fellow and Simon Lester is a trade policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter and suggest show topics at Cato Podcast.